I beg your pardon. Uh, excuse me, madam. Marcia. Uh, oh, pardon me, sir. Uh, this is the Stan Freeberg show, and I have to... Uh, John. Yes, you, you said that. Uh, I'm Stan Freeberg. I, uh, Marcia. I know you two people have a lot to say to each other, but uh, I have to start, my, start, start my show. Uh, Marcia. Uh, well, uh, forgive me if I seem to close the door on John. you. Yeah, well, I hate to interrupt those nice people, but you know how it is. Hit it, Billy May. This is the second show of a series of a brand new radio series. The CBS Radio Network presents The Stan Freeberg Show. With the music of Billy May. Plus the songs of Peggy Taylor with Dawes Butler, June Perret, Peter Leeds, and the Judd Conlon Rhythm Airs. No use to look for us on TV Because in case you did not know We're being brought to you on Brought to you on Brought to you on With the policy of the Stan Freeberg show, which goes everywhere, sees everything, does everyone, Mr. Freeberg has just completed a very dangerous assignment. Freeberg, I said to myself, for indeed that was my name. <laughs> Freeberg, why don't you get an interview with the abominable snowman? You mean, you mean to say that dreadful creature of the high Himalayas? The same. And you actually got an interview with one of these ape-like monsters. This tape will tell... The only previously recorded information on the abominable snowman comes from Dr. Hugo Sponk of Cornell University, who went high in the Himalayas to do research on the subject. The only thing the good doctor had to say about the abominable snowman was... Ah! <laughs> uh... Now, we felt that this was not too informative... And CBS Radio felt it was below standard as far as broadcast quality was concerned. So I went up and got the interview myself. It went something like this. This is Stan Freeberg speaking high in the Himalaya Mountains in northern India. I'm standing next to this uh, particular uh, gentleman, uh, creature... Uh, just, uh, what is it, uh, you are there? A little of each, Stan, actually. <laughs> a little, uh... A little of each, that's right. I see, then you are the abominable, uh... Snowman, that's right. Oh, <laughs> uh, I never cared for that word abominable too much, Stan. Do you mind if I call you Stan? No, not at all. Well, I never cared for abominable, but it's the nearest word, uh, translated from the original Hindustani which was uh, Abamanuya Mayo, <laughs> which means the hairy one with the big feet. Yeah, I can see it lost something in the translation. I was noticing your... Uh... Noticing my sneakers there, were you? <laughs> Quite large. Yeah, what are they, about uh, 12? What, are you kidding? 12? They're size 23. <laughs> That's pretty big. Well, it's functional design, you know. <laughs> you ever trying to walk on snow with ballet slippers? Roller skates? Well, yeah, don't you have a little bit of uh, trouble uh, buying them? I mean... Well, I just can't walk into any old store and buy them. No, I have them specially made up for me. 
Well, where, where, do, where do you get them? Well, when I don't have the chance to drop by Abercrombie and Fitch, uh, I send up to Spaldings. They make them up for me. I, uh, I have them in four colors. Uh, the white, the red, uh, the pink, and the orange. I'm wearing the orange today. Oh, that's very nice. Well, that's the particular ensemble I picked out today. Oh, it's not much of an ensemble, is it? I mean, it's just the shoes. Well, it's... It's an ensemble to me. <laughs> Some of us are, aren't too well off uh, as others. Well, I didn't mean to hurt your feelings. Oh, that's all right. It's all right? Yes, it is. Okay, okay, all right, all right, fine, fine. <laughs> Just, uh, what is it you do for a living? You, you terrorize the mountain? That's right, I uh, terrorize the mountain climbers who come up here. Uh, that is my trade, and I am proud of it. Is it uh, hard work? Uh, you have to do a lot of uh, training? Well, I don't think everybody can do it, you know. They don't have the hair for it, for one thing. <laughs> or the sneakers. Say, you're quite tall, you know. What, what are you, about the eight, nine feet? No, I measure in around ten and a half, buddy. Ten and a half feet tall? <laughs> That's uh, pretty tall. You think I'm tall? You should see my brother. He'd jump center for abominable state. <laughs> well, I'm sorry I missed him. Uh, have you had a, a pretty good day's work today? No, it hasn't been too hard today, so far, no. Mm -mm. You, uh, what was that again? Mm -mm. <laughs> you, uh, you done much uh, terrorizing? No, not too much today. Well, I wonder if you could uh, give us a demonstration before we sign off of whatever it is you do uh, to terrorize the mountain climbers, certainly. Well, uh, well what, do you, what would you like me to do? Well, just turn your back there and close your eyes. Close your little eyes, and I sort of uh, sneak up behind you and let fly with one. Let fly with one what? Never you mind, just turn your back Well, I think I have a... Never mind, never mind, just turn your back, please No peeking All right Don't you open those eyes now I won't All right I'll just sneak up behind you now Tippy-toe <laughs> Which is hard with my feet <laughs> Here I come now. Yikes! <laughs> Gave you a little start there tonight, Stanley. Say, that white hair is very becoming. Sets off your ruddy complexion. Very nice. Gee, that was effective. Well, I see our time is up. Oh, that's a shame. Sure you don't have time for a quickie before you hit the pike? <laughs> no, I really don't. Well, if you'll forgive me, I got to get back to work. I see a mountain climber over there by the edge. Well, nice meeting you. Nice meeting you, Sam. Nice to see a man happy in his work. <laughs> Thank you. And now one of the dramatic scenes we know you've been waiting for. The lights on the stage go down. 
leaving but one spotlight are on our announcer, Burnside Mantle. Thank you. Great moments in history. But what was the story behind those moments? Time is 1862. The place, a small upstairs room in a little house in Frederick, Maryland. An army in gray is moving into town. Moving, moving like a flowing flannel river. We hear a man who... All right. All right, Barbara Fritchie. Here's the flag. Now stick the old gray head out the window. You give me the money, then I'll stick the old gray head out the window. So much for history. Outraged history lovers may write me care of CBS Radio, Hollywood, California. Stan. If you ladies and gentlemen could see her, you would know that that is the voice of Peggy Taylor. Thank you, Stan. Uh, say, that business about Barbara Fritchie, you don't believe it, do you? Oh, well, we no, we were just funning, you know. You were just what? Funning. That's what I thought you said. I do the best I can with the words I get, you know. <laughs> well, I say this is a nice studio, you yeah, know? Yeah, it is kind of a nice studio, isn't it? CBS Radio has sort of turned our studio into a home away from home, as it were. Why, that's very nice now. But, you know, I've never seen a studio with rows of overstuffed chairs for the musicians like this. Yes. Well, it's homey, you know. Oh, it sure is. Rugs on the floor and pictures on the wall and a big dog lying in front of the fireplace. That's Billy May. <laughs> Well, you know what fooled me was the stick in his mouth. That's the way he conducts. Ladies and gentlemen, Peggy Taylor. From a whip will high up on a hill, they took a new note, pushed it through a horn till it was worn into a blue note. Looking for a different tune One that they could croon As only they can They only had the rhythm so They started swaying to and fro They didn't know just what to do And that is how the blues really began they heard the breeze in the trees singing weird melodies and they made that as the start of the blues then from a jail came the wail of a downhearted frail and they made that as a part of the
rehearsed it, rehearsed it, and gave out the news that the Southland gave birth to the gentlemen, still in line with our policy, the Stan Freeberg program is still going everywhere, seeing everything, doing everyone. Take it away, Field Mayor Leroy Strattle at Mount Rushmore, South Dakota, the scene of the great presidential statues. Field Man Leroy Strattle here at Mount Rushmore, South Dakota. Will you knock off the bird calls, please, Mrs. Prill? Oh, I beg your pardon. Yes. I'm standing in the shade of George Washington's nose, along with Mrs. Hagmeyer Prill, who you just heard from a sculptress of Duluth who is about to carve a new statue. Is that correct? I hope to kick a pig in the face. It's correct. <laughs> well, nothing I like better than a good old colloquial expression. Well, how'd you like a good old fat lip? <laughs> yes. Well, Mrs. Prill, would you like to tell the folks uh, why you're such an unusual sculptress? Oh, yes. Uh, fill them well, in a little. I, uh, I carve statues out of a good many things. Such as? Oh, so paraffin wax lard, anything. So paraffin wax lard, eh? They can hear me. <laughs> well, uh, yes. Well, how did it start? How did it all start? Yes, well, I started carving little individual rosebuds out of soap for my dinner parties. Back in Grand Rapids, you know. Ah, uh, yes, I see. Well, everyone complimented me on them. Someone ate one, so I had to change my material. <laughs> oh, he, he did froth pretty good, though. <laughs> All of a lather, eh? <laughs> yes. Well, how did the idea for a big statue come about? Well, a friend of mine, Gladys Baumberger, you know her. No, I don't believe I do. Oh, well, she lives down the block. She's a lovely girl. I'm sure she is. We have to move right along. Yes, I hate her, but she's a lovely girl. Well, anyway, she had this lawn tea, and I was asked to carve some little decoration. So one night it came to me in a veritable vision. Tiny miniature statues of Mary Margaret McBride carved out of oleomargarine. <laughs> oh, they certainly made a hit, if I do say so. Well, I'll bet they made a hit. I just said so. <laughs> Well, that's... that's how this big idea came about. Yeah. I came to Mount Rushmore Memorial Committee, and here I am. <laughs> Think of that. Ladies and gentlemen, a 400-foot statue of Mary Margaret McBride carved entirely out of oleomargarine. <laughs> Gee, that's realistic. <laughs> Are you planning any more? Well, I told you I was before we went on the air. Oh, yes, of course. And they were a grouping of three. Yes, Mary Margaret McBride, of course. Of course. Wyatt Earp and Fats Domino. <laughs> Great Americans all. Well, whoops-a-daisy, I see the sun's coming out, so it's back to Hollywood. Whoops-a-daisy is right, Leroy Straddle, and thank you, Mrs. Prill. Well, I like to think of Mrs. Prill, high on her scaffold there on Mount Rushmore, chipping and chopping away at the margarine of her 400-foot statue. Arrivederci, Mrs. Prill. But as must happen in all uh, variety shows, the scene must change. And we go from the lofty mountain 
to a quiet living room. Billy, uh, could you give us a little uh, lofty mountain to quiet living room music, please? <laughs> oh, boy. Gee, honey, it's great to have an evening at home, huh? <laughs> Nothing to do but read, take it easy. Oh, I'll say. Boy. And we can use a nice, quiet evening. Yeah. Oh. Lucky for us, your mother broke her leg. <laughs> Boy, I'll say. Well, and good thing, too, that Charlie Adams has the measles. Yeah, no canasta tonight. Boy, this is for me. <laughs> oh, no. Oh, no. Don't answer it. Let it ring. Let it rain tonight. Why don't they leave us alone? Look, honey, no matter who it is, we're not going out no, here. We're not going out. And don't invite them over. No. D- tell, tell them we're sick. I'll just tell them we died. Hello? Hello, Max is delicatessen. This is Mrs. Snodgrass. No. Will you send up some... No, ma'am, you have a wrong oh, a half number. a pound of salami, a half a pound Madam, of Taylor ham. Lady, I'm trying to tell you... A pound of store cheese. Why? <laughs> I said you have a wrong number. Isn't this Max's delicatessen? Uh, no. Well, what number is this? This is Trafalgar 40598. Trafalgar 40598? Yes, that's right. Well, I want Trafalgar 45098. Well, this is Trafalgar 40598. Are you sure this isn't Trafalgar 45098, Max's delicatessen? No, this is not Max's delicatessen. I'm sorry. That's funny. I rang Trafalgar 45098. Well, you got a wrong number. Well, who was it, honey? Oh, some dame had a wrong number. Glad it wasn't for us. Yeah. You know, I wouldn't go out tonight to see Davy Crockett wrestle Marilyn Monroe. <laughs> Gee, I think my eardrum is busted. Oh, come well, on. Well, now, whoever it is, tell him to get lost. Right. Hello? Hello, Max's delicatessen. Oh, stop. This is Mrs. Snodgrass. Will you send over a half a pound of salami? Lady, I told you before, you got the wrong number. What? You got the wrong number. <laughs> what number is this? This is Trafalgar 40598. Yeah. You sure this is Trafalgar 45098? Look, lady, would I lie to you? Oh, that's funny. I dialed Trafalgar 45098. Well, you must have made a mistake somewhere. I did not make a mistake. I dialed TR 45098. Well, you didn't get TR 45098. You got TR 40598. Yeah, but that's the wrong number. (laughs) That's what I've been telling you. Look, I've been calling Max's Delicatessen for three years. That number's always been Trafalgar 4509. Look, lady, why don't you get the operator to get the number for you? I don't need to ask the operator. I know what the number is. Okay, okay. Gee. An ear for an ear, I always say. Well, it? Same thing, the wrong number again. We had quite a long conversation. Yeah, well, she cross-examined me. Well, I'm just glad it wasn't for us, You're anyway. not kidding, Oh, no. Hello? This is the special operator. Is this Trafalgar 405-98? Oh, yeah. <laughs> yes, indeedy, this is Trafalgar 405-98. Just a moment, please. I have a call for you. Is your party? Hello, Max and Bellicatan! Will you stop? <laughs> Wait a minute. I told you before, this is not Max's delicatessen. Is this Trafalgar 405-98? Yes. Well, that's the number I want. Will you send over Wait a minute. You don't want Trafalgar 40598. You want Trafalgar 45098. How do you know what number I want? Because you told me so. You said you want Trafalgar 45098, you said. No, I don't. I want Trafalgar 
find my name. I asked the operator to get it for me. All right, she got it for you, but it ain't the Is right... Is Mr. Bacaporo find my name? Yes. Well, is Max there? No, Max isn't here. So where is he? <laughs> How do I know where Max is? I don't even know who Max is! Oh, well, you must be new there! <laughs> I am not new here. I am not new here. I have been living here for eight years. Well, honey, who is it? Who is it? The crazy dame with the wrong number. How dare you say that? Ah, shut up! Oh, how dare you! Harry! Harry, some schnook at Max's selling contestants and stuff! Oh, he is, has he? Hank, give me that phone. I'll fix his wagon. Now, now dear... Here, don't lose your temper. Here, let me talk to now her. Now listen here, you cheap salami slicer. <laughs> What's the idea of insulting my wife? I ought to come right over there and shove your puss in the liverwood. Oh! <laughs> Darling, what some man you? on the phone said he's going to shove my puss in liverwood. Oh, well, he did, did he? Give me that phone. Listen here, you. What's the big idea insulting my wife? What's the idea of insulting my wife? If your stupid wife would dial the right number, I wouldn't have to insult her. My stupid wife did dial the right number. <laughs> not. She dialed Trafalgar 40598. Well, what number is this? Trafalgar 40598. So it's the right number. <laughs> it is not the right number. She wants Max's delicatessen. Well, ain't this Max's delicatessen? No! Well, why did you say so? I didn't say so. I told your stupid wife. Now, listen, you crumb. You insult my stupid wife once more. I'll come over there and punch you right in the nose. Yeah? You and who else? Me and my stupid wife. <laughs> Says you. Says you. My wife can lick your wife any day in a week. Honey, what did he say? What did he say? He said he punched me in the nose. Oh, yeah? That's what he said. Well, you just give me that phone. Oh, here, here. I'd just like to see you punch my husband in the nose. Oh, you think I couldn't do it, eh? Well, you just try it. I'll come over there and I'll punch you and your stupid wife in the nose. That's oh, funny, yeah? Baby. Nobody's going to punch my stupid wife in the nose unless it's me. <laughs> what'd he say? What'd he say? Yeah, it wasn't him. It was that big dumb ox of a wife of his. She said she's going to punch you in the nose. Oh, she did, did she? You give me that phone. Listen, you beat-up ragbag. I'd like to see you. Ah, go on. Your mother listens to Crazy Otto. <laughs> Stop arguing with him. Hang up the phone. I'm going to report you to the telephone company. I'm going to... Boy. Some people. Well, what's the use? I don't feel like reading. Well, I certainly don't. I don't feel like reading. God, but this book... Wasn't as good as I thought anyway. Yeah. Well? Well? Tell you what, let's, let's call up the Johnsons and see what they're doing. Oh, okay. Sure. Gee, maybe they feel like some canasta. Yeah, maybe. We'll just call the Johnsons up here. Oh, we'll do. Hello, Max's Delicatessen. <laughs> Let's see. We are looking backwards in the show here. We did the great moments in history. Um, Barbara Fritchie. We did the Mount Rushmore out of uh, oleo margarine. But uh, just in case there's anyone we haven't offended, perhaps this will tear it. I dream of 
Hold it. Hold it, please. What are you doing? Okay, hold it, paper girl. Look at that trouble you like it did in them last guys on Shaboom. How can the kids dance to that jazz? If they can't bop to it, they won't buy the record. You know that. Don't you know that? Yeah. You know that. Now we're gonna do rock and roll, Stephen Foster, all right, but we're gonna do a rock and roll. Big. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, Jack Queen King. Rock, Genie. Genie with. Genie with the. Genie with the light. Genie with the light brown. Genie with the light brown wig. Rock! Pretty commercial, huh? I'll tell the world. Okay. Follow me now. Genie! That's the stuff. Genie with. Genie with the. My head is bending, Nelly fly. The buckwheat cake is in her mouth. Honk, honk, the alto. Can you make that guitar sound tinnier, please? Never mind that Nick Lucas pick. Play it with this old howdy doody button. Say the difference. Now you're coming on. Now make it go. Daddy Antler, Daddy Antler. That's the stuff. Let's not overdo it, huh? Let's not wear out our welcome, huh? Beautiful dreamer. dreamer, Wake up. Come on, come on, you guys. Where are you getting your arrangements from? Abby Wrench? You know what Confucius said? If they can't bop to it, bombs build. Want me to tear up your autographed pictures of Hunter Hancock? No! Well, then let's take Beautiful Dreamer again. Beautiful Dreamer! Wake up, the ladies! Way down to the genies! Genie with! Camp town cats all dig this too! All the loot out! Want to run all night! Want to run all day! Bop, bop, bop! There's where my heart is! Hey, Nelly! Somebody bet on the bay! Any of you older folks hear your Stephen Foster favorites? Join in and sing right along with us, won't you? I like a one-eyed cat peeping at my old dog tray. I like a one-eyed cat peeping at my old dog tray. Well, it ain't the way he wrote it, but we sell more records this way. Down upon the genie. Well, I see the time is up. We'll all be back next week with new padding on the walls here. <laughs> Until next week, 
This is Stan Freeberg saying thank you for listening, God bless you, and good night. Stan Freeberg Show is produced in Hollywood by Pete Barnum and is written by Stan Freeberg, Pete Barnum, and Jack Roach. With original songs by Stan Freeberg. Featuring the music of Billy May, Judge Hodman's with the Mayors, and the songs of Peggy Taylor, with Dawes Butler, Peter Leeds, and June Perret. Also in the cast was Marvin Miller, Dan Coverley speaking. Stay tuned for Robert Trout in the news to be followed on most of these same stations by The Mitch Miller Show.